1: 225 274 1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. You are all
0: for today, Master, Savior. I have come to seek you. What I believe is a very Powerful on-time message to so many of us here today. I want to talk on a message of guarding your well. Guarding your well or your wells, okay? And that's what I want to talk about today. For most of us in here, when we talk about a well, it has little or no significance for our lives because, I mean, to us, all we've ever known is just go in and turn the spigot, the tap, the faucet, and all of a sudden water comes out. We don't have to say, or oh, wonder if there's going to be water today. We know that it's going to be there. We know that what's on the other side of the pipes, that it's going to come to our house. And even if you do have a well, today you don't have to go out and pump it. They have what? Electric pumps that pump it to you. So in the same regard, you just turn on the tap and the water comes out. It may be a little bit more brown. It's got a little bit more lead in it. It's got a little bit more minerals in it. It's kind of got a little bit of a kick to it. Come on, hey! But you know what? You just go there and you just turn on the tap and the water comes out. But some of the more mature people in this house today, not looking at anyone in particular, remembers what it was not to almost have the luxuries that we do today, but the fact of you had to go out and you had to do a little bit of pumping. You had to work it a little bit. Why? In order to drink or have water to bathe or cook or whatever, you had to go out to a pump and you had to work it a little bit more. You had to prime it too. You had to to pour a little bit of water. Hasten the mature ones in the house. We see so often on TV, many times, and from stories in the Bible too, we see the images of people in a lot of these third world countries that some have to walk miles and miles, carrying big massive pots on their head, to go to a centralized well, where perhaps they have to wait maybe even for hours as others are filling their pots. And as they fill that pot and they carry it home or they strap the pots on their back. Why? Because they have to have a supply of water in order to survive, in an order to live. So therefore, I want to talk this morning about a well as your source of life. The well is the source of your life. Or it means that it's needed in our lives for development and growth. A well is so important. A source for our lives is so important. In fact, I'm going to say it this way. A well or the well of God is so vitally important in your life. Why? Because without it, you will not survive. And that's why today I'm talking about guarding the well, guarding our lives, the source of our lives, that which fuels our lives, that which runs our lives. Because Satan desire, Satan's desire is to fill our wells with dirt and debris, cutting off not only our supply for our lives, but also the supply that we are called to be to others around us. The Bible tells us in John chapter 7 and in the latter part of verse 37 and in verse 8, this is what Jesus said to those. As the inner working of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer worked, I know he's talking about the Holy Spirit flowing, but look at the image or the picture of the life of the believer that Jesus says should be. And it says, if anyone thirsts, Let him come after me and drink. God's saying, or Jesus is saying, I'm the source. Tap into the source. So he said, if you're hungry and if you're thirsty, come and I will give you what you need. And verse 38, and he who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart, or the King James says, out of his innermost being, shall flow forth rivers of living water. A river, God says, in reference, yes, to the Holy Spirit, but yet the picture of the life of the believer, a river of supply that God wants to flow out from the very innermost being of every one of our lives. So we see that there is a source of life there is a satisfaction, there is a happiness, there is a joy, there is peace, there is blessings that we can experience in Christ, not only for ourselves, but like a mighty rushing river, that that happiness can spill over to the people who are around us every day. That you and I, you've got to realize this, you're a channel of life to the people who are around you. I said you're a channel of life. To the people around you. They think they're living. And they may think they're living in this life. But the Bible says one little life. Well, the Bible doesn't say this. But the reference to it is one little life and soon it is past. Only what's done for Christ is going to last. And therefore we realize they may think they've got everything going. But we're a source. We're a supply. We're a river. A well of life that is tapped into the source of Jesus Christ that can impact and touch people's lives around. That you and I need to overflow with the fullness of God. But the question this morning is, how's your well? How is your well? How's the source? Have you tapped in? But not only the source and the well, how's your supply that's going out to those Around, I want you to turn this morning with me to Genesis chapter twenty-six, and we're going to read verse twelve through fifteen, and then in a few moments jump down to verse eighteen. But we're going to start in verse twelve of Genesis twenty-six, and it says these words: Then Isaac sowed in that land, and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him, and the man began to prosper and continued. Prospering until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions and flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Listen to me. When it says there that the Philistines envied him, it was more than they just wanted what he had. You've got to understand this. Yes, they were mad at all the blessings that he had because the Bible says that he prospered and prospered more. And then on top of that, he prospered more. That God caused prosperity to come upon every aspect and every part of his home. That the enemy, that the people around, they envied him. But it wasn't so much that they envied what he had as in the stuff. They envied what he really had. That which was inside of his life. They wanted to not take away his prosperity, but they wanted to destroy his means of prosperity, his ability, enabled to prosper. So they looked for the best possible way to destroy his blessing. I've got to throw this in today. I've got to interject this really important thought into this message today. Satan is studying your life. He's envying the blessing, the peace, the joy, the happiness in your life. Not meaning that he just wants to take it. He wants to cut the source that is given that in your life. Come on, he's sitting back and he is studying your life. He's looking for the ways that he can be the most effective. For some in here, drugs. No challenge. Because it's nothing that you've been a part of. So if someone offers you drugs, there's no appeal. There's no temptation in that. For some, it could be alcohol. For some, it's it's sex. For some, it could be money. It, it, it's fear. It's all these things. Satan knows the weaknesses that you and I have in our lives. He studies us. He hears our conversations. He sees what he does. How do we know this? Because the Bible speaks of him as cunning and planning. He's planning your demise. He's planning your destruction. He's looking for a way that He can inflict, listen to this, the most harm to your life and to your existence. Your happiness and blessings do not give Him the same feeling. What do I mean by that? He's not happy that you're happy. He's not rejoicing and having a party because Trey and Megan just got a wonderful blessing or this happened in Judy's life or this happened in Dan's life. He's not throwing a party in hell and go, woohoo! praise God. He's not happy. He's not happy. But it's more than he's not just happy about the stuff. He wants to cut the sauce. He wants to cut the sauce. So what did the enemy of the children of Israel or the the enemy of Isaac do. Verse 15, the Philistines stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, and they filled them with earth. Now what we read there is it almost sounds out because it says, now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells. It almost sounds like they had already done so meaning past tense, that they had filled up the wells. But really, we see, even from another translation, but when you look at it into a greater well way, they filled up the wells as a result of the blessings. They filled them up as a result of their envy because they wanted to take the source of prosperity from Him. Another translation says these words in the latter part of verse 14. It says, Soon the Philistines became jealous of him. Verse 15, And they filled up all Isaac's wells with earth. Satan wants to plug up your source. I said, Satan wants to plug up your well. He wants to fill your life with dirt. The Word of God tells us that we're not to be ignorant. Ignorant to the devices of Satan, lest he take advantage of us. Satan wants to take advantage. That's what he's scheming. That's what he's planning. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to take advantage of our life. So the Bible says, first and foremost, we're not to be ignorant. It means we're to be aware. We're to be sober. We're to be vigilant. Almost showing a defensive stance because we're watching out. But the Bible also tells us that we are to be on the offensive when it comes to the plans of Satan. Meaning, let's not just stand by and let the enemy have his way. Come on, the enemy has had his way in so many people's lives for too long. Come on, the enemy has studied and he's looked and he's come and he's been piling dirt after dirt after dirt and we're standing trying to resist him. But you know what, maybe it's time we go on the offense. Because the Bible tells us in James 4, verse 7, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil. Resist him. Why? And he will have to flee from you. Satan has come against our lives for long enough. So look at the response that Jacob had. Or rather the response, sorry, that Isaac had. Here's the response that he had in verse 18 of chapter 26. It says, and Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. What did he do? Come on, he got the dirt out. Come on, say with me, he got the dirt out. Come on, anything and everything that was blocking the well, they removed it. It's amazing how much dirt we can compile on a daily basis on our own without even the help of Satan. I said it's amazing the amount of dirt that we can compile on our own without even the help of Satan. Just a little bit here and just a little bit there ends up being a whole lot more than we realize. But what is the result? It's all blocking up and taking place or the place of the source of our very lives. This morning I want to look at three areas, or perhaps better said, three wells that we need to guard in our lives. Three wells that we need to guard in our lives, and I know that there are many, many more that we need to guard. But the first one I want to talk about is the well of relationship. The well of relationship. When I just even mentioned that word relationship, it is such a vast subject or a, such a vast heading that there are literally numerous and numerous ways that we could tackle and we could come at this particular area. But here's the focus that I want under the well of relationship today. And that is this. We have got to guard our well of relationship from the dirt of offense. We've got to guard the well of relationship from the dirt of offense. So many people are so easily offended today. So easily offended. And as a result of that offense that has been caused in their life, what do they do? They pull back in realms of relationship. They pull themselves away. You have got to realize this very important truth, and that is this. Offense is your choice. A lot of people don't agree with that, but it's the truth. You choose whether to be offended or not. Offense is a choice that you choose to make. And again, that's key. That's a truth that you need to grasp a hold of. Listen, I know that others can say awful things. I know that words, that saying that they used to use years ago, is one of the biggest lies ever. Isn't it? Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you or harm you. I mean, some of the biggest wounds that you and I have had. Come on, you can take a beating with a stick and you can put an arm in a cast and it's going to heal. But there is something that words can do that can give you such an inner hurt. That literally can take years and some a lifetime for them to even recover. So we know people say awful things. We know that we're awful to people sometimes. We know people do awful things. They spread rumors, they gossip, they devise all kinds of things. And it's so easy to grab a hold and respond to that and become offended. Well, I'm offended. And leave me alone because I want to be offended. You can choose today either to be bigger or you can choose to be bitter. And if you're going to be bitter, that means that you are choosing offense in your life. You are lowering your standard down to the level of which they have stooped down. Why is it so important not to be offended? Why is it so important not to allow the dirt of offense to flood into the well of relationship? I'm going to show you two reasons from God's Word. Proverbs 18 verse 1 says these words. A man who isolates himself. Proverbs 18.1, a man who isolates himself, a man who pulls back from others. What? He rages against all wise judgment. So why should we not be offended? Because it will pull us back and isolate our lives. And what happens, we're not only alone, but we're being unwise alone because we're now raging against all sound wisdom. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be alone and unwise. But it goes on to say in verse 19, it says these words, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. Let me read that one more time. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. Meaning this, offense will hold you in. A fence will hold you in, literally will lock you in. As the example that we just read, like a strong city and a castle, a fence will literally imprison you in a place. Like a fortified city that you think, wow, I'm protecting myself. But you know what else happens? It pushes everyone else out and locks you in all on your own. Let me say that again. A fence will lock us in and it lets all others out. And that is completely the opposite to what we think is going on. Why? Because here's our thinking. I'll show them. Come on now, you know what I'm talking about. I'll show them they can't talk about me like that. I'll show them that two can play that game. Ho oh, ho! If they want to fight, let's get the gloves on. Come on, let's go for it. I'll make them suffer. Let me let come on, come on. That's what we're thinking is happening when we get offended. But we're big and bad. No, the Bible says you're going to suffer. Say with me through a fence i'm going to suffer now i know a lot of you didn't believe that but i'm going to say it again and i want you to say it like you mean it because the word of god tells us that come on through a fence which of course is the choice that i'm making I'm going, I'm going to suffer we can get so bent out of shape about stuff that we don't sleep. Have you ever got so angry and so mad and so offended at someone that you didn't sleep? But you know, here's the worst part. We get so totally consumed, we're bent out of shape, just our performance and just everything about our lives is just so sub because we're so controlled, we're so locked in by that offense. And the ones who have offended us, here's the deal, they're sleeping at night. And the ones who have bent us and our lives are so stewed and we're so bent out of shape, they don't even realize most of the times they've even offended us. They're just going on happy with their life and you know what? That makes us even more offended. We get bent out of shape and we let the enemy put dirt in our well. And the ones who have done that to us so often don't even realize what they have done. Can you see this morning how offense locks you in? Come on, there's going to be countless opportunities for you to be offended. And I'm talking about in the church. I'm not even dealing with the world today. I'm just talking about the church. Here at Heartseeds Family Life Church, there is going to be so many opportunities for you to be offended. Pastor Philip didn't even talk to me this morning. He walked right past me and I know he saw me because I was smiling and waving. I was jumping and doing cartwheels and he didn't even see me. I saw those people up the corner. They were looking at me and they were whispering. They were talking about me. I'm going to be offended. I'm not going to go there. Well, they didn't pray for me like they did Leola. They didn't ask me out at the front and to pray for my needs. So they think her needs are more important than mine. They sat in my chair this morning. The dirt of offense is filling up your well, destroying the source of life that God wants to be. I don't believe anyone wakes up, and I hope you don't. And if you do, God help you, you need prayer. But I don't think anyone wakes up in the morning saying today, I'm going to offend someone. I feel like offending day. I'm just going to go and see how many people I can offend. I don't really think people wake up in the morning thinking, I'm going to offend thus and thus. But you know how offence comes? If we would just look at the group of people that we have today, there's so many differences in education. There's so many differences in personality. There's so many differences in opinion. There's so many differences in taste. There's so many differences in gender. <laughs> Guys, help me out with that one. Amen. Come on, all you men. You left me hanging right there. I said, guys, help me out. There are so many differences around us that there is opportunity for offense. There is opportunity for offense. Someone may not not know what you're going through and say something that's maybe kind of insensitive, but they wouldn't probably say that if they knew your situation. They don't, so they said it anyway, and you choose to be offended. We're an offense that's waiting to happen if we allow it to, if we take it into our heart. Come on, you've got to get rid of the dirt of offense. You've got to get it out of your well. Not only you, for the sake of others. Just a couple of weeks ago, someone posted something on Facebook. Just be careful what you post on Facebook, please. I mean, some people get so bent out of shape that everyone's in their business. Well, don't put it on Facebook because that's putting everyone in your business. But someone posted something on Facebook in regards to the church because they had been offended by church, they'd been hurt by church, so they let their offense be made known to the cyber world. And they said, why is it that people get so hurt in church? Why is church so full of hypocrites? Why is it that it seems that all the good people don't even go to church? Just a few venting moments of offense caused an absolute landslide as people after person after person was replying back, you're right, preach it brother, that's why I don't go to church. That's why I don't do this and all this and all these things. And it was negative, 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 negative about church. And then all of a sudden, about 26 posts later or comments later, that person replied again, Listen, buddies, or listen, everyone out there, I didn't mean it to be like this. Go to church and praise God. But all of a sudden, the damage has already been done. You see, what I'm trying to tell you is this. What you may be able to handle, other people can't. You see, when you get offended, you may be able to break three from that offense and I pray that you can but it may put others to their grave because there's a lot of cynicism there's a lot of skeptical people out there when it comes to church and you know what our offense towards the people in the church towards the pastor of the church towards the church family what does it do? it does not help us touch the world for Jesus Christ all that happens is this is the cost. They become even more cynical and skeptical about church, and they may never come. Can you see how dangerous and damnable the dirt of offense can be, not only to your life, but to others? You see, we were created out of relationship for relationship. God created us out of relationship. He walked with man. He had fellowship with him. He created us out of a relationship for what? For fellowship. And we need to be reminded of that in our lives. Offense will lock us in. Come on, guard your well of relationship from the dirt of offense. The second well that we're going to look at today is the well of vision. Again, vision, like relationship, is such a broad subject that could be tackled and could be handled in so many different ways, in so many different directions. But once again, we're going to focus into one key area this morning, and that is this. We must protect or guard our well of vision from the dirt of detail. Protect or guard our well of vision from the dirt of details. Vision, when we talk about it in this regard, is realizing that God has a promise for your life. God has a destiny for your life. God has a goal for your life. So when we're talking about vision today, we're talking about God's best for your life. That God's got a vision for your life. Without vision, we know that there's a perishing, there's no future, there's no hope. God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. So having vision for your life, having direction and focus, a goal or goals. But in order to get to that vision, how many understands and realizes today we're going to encounter details? And we've got to make the choice whether we're going to believe the details or we're going to go after the vision. Many of you may or may not realize this, but Dan and Nancy had a son who played in the NFL. Dennis Bird is their son, who played for the New, England, uh, the New York Jets. Wow, nearly insulted him right there. Played for the Jets. Thirteen, fourteen 13, 14 years ago, he sustained a career-ending, almost life-ending injury as he broke his neck in a game. Nancy had told me many times as we just sat at lunch or just talked in the office about Dennis and how he had a vision to play pro football as a little boy. But yet, coming up through high school, his coaches told him time and time again, you're not big enough to go any further than the high school level. You haven't got what it takes. You're not big enough to the position that you want. You're not going to make it. But listen, those details inspired him to work harder. Are you catching this? Those details inspired him to work harder. He bulked up. He put on the necessary weight. And he became a viable contender, and he did. After leaving high school, he played for Tulsa University and four years later was drafted in the second round into the NFL. Today, we all know the details of our lives. Today, we all know the struggles, the details, the stuff, that comes in opposition to the vision. We all have them. But are we going to allow the details or the dirt of the details to plug up the well of vision that God has put inside of every one of our lives? Look at this scriptures from Romans chapter 4 and verse 19 through 21. It says these words, And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body, talking about Abraham, already dead. Listen to these words. Since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced or persuaded that what he had promised, God had promised, he would also be able to perform. No wonder Sarah laughed. The angels came and told Abraham, you're going to have a son. And Sarah laughed. I think I would laugh too if I was 90 years of age. Or maybe cry. <laughs> I don't think tears would be able to come. But no wonder she laughed. She's 90 and her husband's 100. 100. And they're going to have a son. Come on, the dirt of detail was stacked against them. Come on, the dirt of detail may look so impossible in your life. But are you focusing on the dirt of detail or are you going after the vision? Come on, if God's placed something in your life and you know it's of God, it's the best for your life. You've got to go after that no matter the dirt of the details that you'll find all around you. Come on, you've got to hold on to the vision. Remember when Peter walked on the water, he was doing great, till the details around him began to take his focus off the source, the vision, Jesus. The Bible says, but when he saw the winds and the waves. He didn't see them at first when he stepped out of the boat, because he was walking to Jesus. And then all of a sudden, the details began to manifest themselves. And the Bible says he began to sing. Thank God he didn't go all the way under because God grabbed him and lifted him up. Listen to this statement today, write it down. If you look at the visual, if you look at the vision, no detail will be too tough. If you look at the vision, no detail will be too tough. Hebrews 12 verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author, that word means the originator, and the finisher, that means the perfecter, God's going to finish what he started in you, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That looking unto Jesus comes from a Greek word that's actually two words. The first word is apo, A-P-O, which means away from. The second word is horao, or however you pronounce it, H-O-R-A-O, which means to see. So away from and to see. So therefore, the word looking signifies an undivided attention. Looking away from all other distractions in order to fix one's gaze upon a object. It literally means having eyes for no one else but Jesus. Come on, the dirt of detail. Well I don't have much. I'm not really educated. I don't have what it takes. I can't be like Pastor Philip. I can't sing like Aaron. I can't play like Roxanne. I can't do announcements like Megan. I can't, I I, I can't, I can't. That's the dirt of detail. If God's given you a vision, you better focus in on that vision and let God take care of the details. Don't allow your well of vision to be filled by the dirt of details. Trust God, again, not only for yourself, but for other people. And lastly this morning, I want to talk about the well of potential. The well of potential. Once again, such a vast subject that could be tackled and handled in so many different ways. But let's focus in in this way. Don't allow the well of potential. Guard the well of potential from the dirt of regret. Or perhaps said the dirt of failure. You've got to guard your well of potential beyond that. I remember as a young boy having dreams, and I know those of you who've been in the church, you've heard me share this before of my life. I remember being a young boy and having dreams. I saw myself standing before stadiums full of people, thousands of people. I mean hundreds of thousands of people. I saw myself preaching on a platform when I was about 8, 10, 12 years of age. I remember these visions. I remember these callings. I remember seeing me giving altar calls and thousands of people coming to Christ. I saw all those things as I slept at night. Yes, I had dreams to be a professional soccer player and I had dreams to do all this, but mixed in my dreams was God's vision and God's dreams of the potential that He had placed inside of me. Not going into great detail, but messing up and finding myself in a situation where I got a girl pregnant before marriage, Pastors' as kids. I remember the dreams that I had after fact. All of a sudden, Satan would take me and he would show me the stadiums. He would show the hundreds of thousands of people. He wouldn't take that dream away from me. He would still show me all that. He would show me the thousands of people responding as I preached. But then he would say, see what you will never have. See what you will never have. He didn't take my dream. He used my dream against me. A happy-go-lucky guy that never had any... I was hardly ever sad or miserable. You can see how I am. I was going all the time. I was the life of the part. I was just a great kid. But all of a sudden, suicidal thoughts plagued my mind. My stairways up to my bedroom, they were wooden stairs up to my bedroom. And it was steeping at the bottom of the stairways where there was a glass door. A number of times I stood at the top of those stairs and Satan said, Just throw yourself down. Knowing that I would go down those solid wooden stairs and through that glass door at the end. The amount of times driving home at night on my own with tears rolling down my face, fighting for my life. As Satan would be in the car riding with me, sometimes so strong it felt like his hands were even on the wheel. As the corners of the windy roads around our house, most of the roads in England around my home are about narrow. They're so narrow that it's about the width of a car and a half. So when you meet someone, you have to either back up or go up on the side to go around. It's not a fun thing when you come around a corner and an 18-wheeler is right there in front of you the number of times the enemy would tell you, just steer the wheel and just go in front of that 18-wheeler, end your life. Why? Because you failed, you've messed up. You can never be the potential that God has called you to be. I had to refuse to fill my well of potential with the dirt of regret and failure. Come on, we've all had those questions. If only I hadn't done that. If only I hadn't said those words. If only I hadn't been that way and responded well. Come on, the dirt of regret. But the dirt of regret does not have to plug up your well of potential. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 says, For I know the plans, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. That means that God knows, Chip, even though we've screwed up. God says, I've still got a plan. No matter the failures and the mistakes of our lives, God says, hold on a second. There's still potential. There's still a well of life that can flow up inside of you if you'll get out the dirt of regret. And the Bible says His callings and gifts." are without repentance, meaning He's not going to take them back. We're the ones that forfeit them, but they're there available if we'll just get the dirt of regret and go after the well of potential. Listen to this. God does not judge on what I've done, but where I can be. God doesn't judge on what I've done. When I stand before God, I'm not going to be judged on what I've done. I'm going to be judged on what what I was supposed to be. And how full and short perhaps I have of that area. So that means what the grace and the mercy of God. God's not looking, and condemning, and saying you've done this, you've done that. God's just saying, hey, here's what you can be. Here's the potential that's still available to every one of you. It doesn't matter about the past and the failures and the mistakes. This is still what you can be. Step into the potential I have for your life. Come on, I'm preaching this morning. You can't change the past, but you can leave it in the past and no longer allow it to determine the pathway of your future. Come on, you can't allow the dirt of regret to fill your well of potential. Come on, God's not finished with me yet. Come on, God's not finished with me yet. But how many knows that God will finish what He started if I'll just allow Him to? I may not be perfect, but come on, I'm getting out the dirt. I'm digging out the dirt of regret from the well of potential that's springing up inside of me. Philippians 1 verse 6, Being confident of this very thing, that He that began a good work, He's going to be faithful to complete it in me. Come on, the well of Of our lives. We must guard them from the dirt of the devil. Come on, there's other wells in our lives. Come on, the well of purity, we've got to guard from the dirt of perversion. Come on, the well of prosperity, we've got to guard from the what? The dirt of greed. There's so many wells in our lives. So many sources of life that will bring us to great places satan's studying he's watching he's waiting for the opportune time just to throw in a little bit of dirt and so often we will shake it off and we'll stamp on it but we don't realize that we're hindering the source we're blocking the source i say this to people when they counsel with me in the office we can live a life and i talk about this in marriage that We can choose to live together and not be married because we feel that that's what we want to do. And I said, what you realize through making decisions like that, what you're doing is you're blocking the pathway of blessing that God has for your life. I'm not saying that God will never bless you. But it's like taking a sink and it's like piling it with sand and rocks. The water may eventually go down a little bit. But listen, the flow is going to be hindered. Come on, you and I have got to realize Satan wants to hinder the flow of our lives. That the blessing of God cannot flow into us. For what reason? So it can flow out of us. Come on. That out of our innermost being shall flow forth rivers of living water. Come on, God didn't call you to be a lake. God called you to be a river. So many people want to be a lake. It's mine. Keep it all in. God says, no. Tap into the source so you can explode out to others around. But when there's regret... When there's detail, when there's the dirt of all these things, there's no source. Don't buy into his schemes. Don't allow Satan to steal your blessing and prosperity because he's going straight for the jugular. Because Satan knows he can't stop God's blessings, but he knows that you can. Come on, we preached a whole message on this. He can't stop it because if he could, he would. Satan can't kill you. He says he can, but he can't. Because if he could, he would have. He can't touch you. Come on, Job tells us that there is a line that God has drawn all around us. That God says, Satan, you can go thus far, but you can't go beyond what I permit and I allow. That means when the trials and the tribulations come, God's allowed them to come into the circle. For what reason? Not to bring you down, but to bring you up. Come on, you've got to shake off and get rid of the dirt of the situations. You've got to guard your well. You've got to tap into the source again. Come on, some of you need to redig the wells. Some of you need to redig. Tap into the source. Remove the dirt. Live the life that God came to give you. I believe he called it abundant. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and you may have it more abundant. That's the life that God said I'm to live. Guard your well. Guard your life. Because you've only got one. And eternity is a long time. Don't allow the dirt of offense. Don't allow the dirt of detail. Don't allow the dirt of regret and the dirt of all these other things to plug up the well of life. There's a river of life flowing out from me. It makes the lame to walk. I can't do that, but it's the river that flows out of me. It's the source that comes out of me, and it makes the blinds to see. It opens prison doors, set the captive free. There's a river of life flowing out. But in order for it to flow out, it's got to first be in you. You've got to guard the well. Would you stand to your feet?) You are awesome. you are God.